It seems as though COVID is the only topic worth talking about these days, and it's something we will actually be covering again today. (laughs) Since we already know the procedures with our school, why don't we hear about a different one? Today, I will be interviewing my best friend on the subject of COVID within her college. Here, we will be able to mark the differences between Manhattan College and Sacred Heart University. Hello, my name is Alexia Manessas. I go to Manhattan College. I'm a senior and my major, what I'm doing with my life is physical therapy. So what rules were implemented as you guys were returning back to school for the fall semester? We, any class that was over 20 people had to be online. Those that were 20 and under, the desks were um, every other seat every other row then you had to clean it once you finished you had to wear your mask i don't think there was any time where you couldn't take your mask off some teachers liked they they did one day in class like a monday some will be hybrid and then after thanksgiving we all went online all of the sports teams had to practice half and half with masks on the gym wasn't allowed to be opened until the cdc guidelines for gyms in New York, that whole thing was fixed. For the food, um, it wasn't really open like a regular cafeteria. They like boxed it for people. So I guess they just went, they picked up what they wanted. And then outside the quad, they had put tents and chairs for people to eat and sit. It took away study rooms in the library. And yeah, I think that's it. Were you aware of the rules for dorming as well? Because I know that you have some friends in dorms, like were you able to see them? Like what were the rules for that? They closed off visitors for even people who dormed with each other. So like if you were on the fourth floor and someone was on the second floor, like you couldn't see each other. They closed that off until end of October. And then outside people who didn't live in that specific dorm, that was like, beginning of November that was allowed, but it was like a time limit of only 30 to 45 minutes. Oh wow. They get scanned temperature and they had a show that every day you had to go in before you went into like a classroom or a building or anything. You had to show that you passed your um, COVID submission. So it was like a green pass or an orange pass or a red pass. So you guys had like an app that you would fill out? Yeah, on our school app, they had like, what are the symptoms you're experiencing? Have you been in contact with anyone in 10 days, 90 days? Were you tested? How long ago were you tested? So every day you had to do that if you went on campus. So how many COVID cases did you guys have on campus? We didn't really have a lot at the beginning. And then it was like one or two people because they did random testing. And out of like 500 tests, two or three came back positive every two weeks. I don't know, they never really told us the total. (laughs) (laughs) They never told you the total? No, they never got an email of like, end of semester, how many? Then again, I don't know because I'm also off campus. Right. I'm at home. So it didn't really affect me that much. So when it came to emailing you guys about like the cases and things like that, would you say they weren't really good at it? And they would like update you every once in a while? Like what was happening? They updated us, I think, two times a month. Wow, we get an email like every day. (laughs) They did it at the end of every testing. And they would do like bulks of testing. I guess that kind of makes sense because your school's a lot smaller than mine, right? Yeah, 
It was like everyone was kept in a bubble. I also feel like my school kind of lied a little bit because I know the lacrosse team got sick, but that wasn't included in the count because the teams are going to get in trouble and the schools were very about sports because the amount of money that goes into sports. So they didn't really want to mess that up. But that was never mentioned. You know, you only heard it from word of mouth. You never heard it in an email. Have they mentioned any plans about the spring yet? Do they know what they're doing yet? They're going to do the same thing as this semester. So no in, no spring break. So now we start January 27th. Mm -hmm. So 16 weeks straight. <laughs> Yay. I know that you're attending grad school in the summer. Where are you going to grad school? And do you think by next summer everything should be fine and like you'll be able to go into school or? I'm going to Hunter for three years to get my doctorate of physical therapy. And they they already said that all classes are online except for labs. But I don't know if that's what's gonna happen with the vaccine, if that's gonna change anything. That leads into my final question. Do you think schools or universities will require students to get the vaccine? And do you think they should? I think they should. Mm -hmm. Because a school, you get it, everyone else gets it. You're always in the same class. You're always switching out desks. You're always touching the same handle on the door. People aren't gonna go and clean every single thing just because some people have the vaccine and some people don't. I think it should be. So if it's not mandatory, I think it should be highly encouraged because the United States is struggling. <laughs> I think it's gonna be like, it's probably gonna turn into the same thing with like the meningitis shots. Like you have to get the meningitis shot before you even come to school. Like don't even think about it. And it's like, why do we need to get the shot? Nobody knows, we just do it. Like- Oh, the flu shot's not mandatory. No, the flu shot's not mandatory, but it's highly encouraged. So maybe it'll probably be the same thing. Actually, I don't know, because you're right. The flu shot's not, it's not mandatory. And you're like bedridden for three weeks. Not. I know, I have not gotten my flu shot in like three years. <laughs> this is the first time I did mine. I don't know why I never had it. <laughs> See, so it's like, I don't know, I guess, yeah. I think people should get the, the vaccine. I'm probably gonna get it when it comes out. I'll be a testie. I literally, my dad was like, oh, you're gonna get it when it comes out. I'm like, I'll be first in line. Mm -hmm. I'm fine. I don't care. I will go. I want to thank Alexia for coming on the podcast with me. Um, we had a really fun and insightful conversation about not only what's happening at her school, but also about the vaccine a little bit. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening. And this is Sabrina Giardulo, and thank you. Hey everybody, it's Sofia Strigliano and I'm here with my really good friend and housemate, Christina Constantine, but people call her T. Hey everyone, I'm T um, and I'm a psychology major here at Sacred Heart. So we're both seniors and obviously coronavirus just happened and quarantine life just happened. And I know that a lot of people our age mentally have went through something physically have changed your life. T, I know over quarantine, you lost 20 pounds. What was it before quarantine that made you feel like you should make that life change? I thought that I could take this time and turn it into something beneficial for myself, even though obviously what was going on in the world, like it was not good. But because I was gonna be locked in the house every single day, like I had to make use of my time. And I, I would literally would just wake up and work out and then do my schoolwork. Those were like my two main priorities because that's all you really could do when you're trapped in the house. But like, obviously for some people, it's not that easy because you're literally trapped in the house. So you might just be stuck there. And like, a lot of people can get very depressed and upset. That's why statistically, like 
rates for like depression and anxiety went up so much during quarantine because you were just constantly either alone or like with the same people all the time in the beginning of my quarantine it honestly was like really rough for me like i feel like mentally i was not in a good place i mean i honestly feel like better like a lot better like than the mental state i was in like right around when quarantine started in march um i definitely think like my mental health like is like a lot a lot better like I feel like I wake up and like I'm like happy you know like I'm not stressing about silly things in my life that I shouldn't be stressing about like I know um what really matters in my life now which Mm -hmm. like obviously some people are still trying to find that for themselves and like that's completely okay because it's like it's different for everyone like I felt like I was crazy because like I couldn't I couldn't get into that routine and I couldn't get my mental health where it had to be and it literally was because of the way I looked And then after um, I did that and like right now, like I honestly like I feel good about myself and I'm still being a little hard on myself, but I'm not being too hard on myself because like I was so hard on myself during the quarantine. Like quarantine literally made me realize that everything is just like all in your head. It's just your mindset and how you get up and how you move yourself and how you present yourself to other people as well. Do you think that social media has like impacted you like to want to do this? Yeah, I feel like it's, like, so terrible to, like, even, like, think like that, you know, like, to, like, be, like, judging, like, other people on, like, their social media and stuff, but, like, Mm. I feel like for, like, especially girls, like, I feel like a lot of girls are really hard on themselves and, like, how they look and, like, I feel like they get judged a lot and, like, sometimes, like, it motivates people, I think, in a way, for Mm -hmm. some people, like, depending on the person you are, social media could motivate you to, like, be a better person or better, um, better self But for some people, obviously, that's not the case. It definitely could negatively impact your mental health and, like, the way you view yourself Mm because you're sitting there scrolling through whatever app you're on, looking at all these pictures of people, and all you want to do is compare yourself to that. I just want to say thank you for coming on to my little podcast and expressing how you feel. I feel like this was a really personal topic. And I just want to say, as a friend, I'm really proud of you. Now that I, like, made some adjustments and, like, I'm getting more comfortable with myself, like, I'm able to tell everyone how I feel about it, which I think is, like, could be very beneficial to others as well. I really wanted to take this time and talk about mental health during quarantine and even personal changes that should be looked at as a proud moment, like my friend T had said. But we also talk about how many people had went through a lot of changes during quarantine and mentally it wasn't the best place for everybody to be at that moment of time. Quarantine was an era in our lives that we were trapped in our houses by ourselves some people were even completely alone and that took a lot of toll on their mental health because we went from being surrounded by people constantly whether it was going to work or meeting up with friends to being completely alone and having to be socializing with people on zoom or through facetime and it really wasn't the best place for people to be. After doing several research for my project, I have learned that in June, the United States had went up 40% of adults suffering with mental health during the coronavirus pandemic. There are several resources that you could reach out to to find help, such as hotlines, school counselors, friends, and family. There should be no hesitation when it comes to mental health or talking about any personal change that you want to start to discuss. As we had both said in my podcast, T and myself, 
this was a moment for us to both talk about what we had went through during quarantine. And I hope that it does help people who do listen to this podcast relate to something that they may not be ready to talk about. Ayana here, and we're tuning into Keeping Up with Coronavirus. As COVID-19 cases rise in the United States, the workforce has been compromised to great extents. People have unfortunately lost their jobs and livelihoods during this pandemic. On the other hand, some jobs have seen some change in the way business is conducted. Whether it be an army base, an office, or a hair salon, social settings and work settings have been affected greatly by this pandemic. Here I have Derek Hankinson, Daniel McAteer, and Debbie Wynn to tell you guys of their experience in the workforce during COVID-19. My brother, Derek James, is here to describe a typical day on an Army base for a sergeant. So, what is the new norm out on the Army base due to COVID-19? The new norm, thanks to COVID-19, is very difficult, actually, because a lot of the operations require hands-on activity. They require close proximity between people. Even formations itself require you to be within nine inches of someone. So the actual structural components become challenged because we can't hold traditional formations. And our normal day-to-day operations become complex because we can't execute them, I guess, the way that we would normally do them. Okay, so with that being said, are the new accommodations and rules hard for you to abide by? Like wearing a mask in 90-degree weather, do you find this new norm to be stressful? And if so, why? I do find the new norm to be somewhat agitating, but not completely stressful. I do understand that it's safety first, so we accommodate for that. However... It still becomes somewhat of a hazard when you have to wear a mask, when it's very hot, and let's say some people are not as physically fit, and so they run the uh, the risk of becoming a heat casualty in extreme heat, or, for instance, during physical fitness training, if you have your mask on, it kind of limits the process of, uh, of breathing. But overall, uh, it's still a it's, a it's a safety component that we have to follow right now. But it's a it's a it's an engaging process, and we're growing through it. I now have my grandmother Debbie Wynn here to speak upon her work setting in the hair business as a cosmetologist in Florida. So, Grandma, how was the salon before COVID, and how would you describe the setting? A lot of fun, very cheerful. Everybody happy to be there and getting their hair done. Okay, and how would you describe the salon during COVID, and has your clientele been affected by this pandemic? Totally affected. Um, Very solemn and very fearful of everything. And, and confused whether 
they want to well actually they want to look good if they get covid oh my goodness okay so i want my highlights done okay so do you miss the social setting the hair salon used to have and how has this change within your job made you feel totally miss the the lightheartedness in the salon that we used to have and that we don't have anymore with covid so many difference of opinions on what we should do and how we should handle it okay and how does that make you feel pissed off (laughs) okay i get that well thank you for coming today where am i going Over in Lower Manhattan, New York, I have my uncle, Daniel McAteer, here to explain his work setting in an office due to COVID-19. Hi, Uncle DJ. Thank you for meeting with me. I only have a couple of questions for you. Do you have some time? Yeah, definitely. Of course, for you, kiddos. Okay. So what was your workday like from start to finish a year ago before COVID happened? Oh, wow. So um, I would say, you know, from start to finish, you know, I walk to the train. Um, I live in Queens and, and work on in FIDI uh, in Manhattan. So I walk to the train, take the subway into Broad Street. Um, would normally go into local, um, uh, almost like a Starbucks place called Gregory's to get coffee. From there, go into the office. Normally was the first one in the office. I would say uh, around 8.20 I'd get in there, open up the lights, uh, you know, turn everything on, really get my day situated. From there, people matriculate in. Um, and you go through my scheduled day. I mean, uh, normally I would take a, a brief lunch or around one, uh, you know, really to pick up food, bring it back so I could work at my desk, leave at 5.30 and then take the train back home. Okay. And now that COVID is a thing, what is the social environment like in your office now that you are instructed to work from home? Yeah, so it's 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 a little bit different. I mean, there's there's some regulations um, that we have to abide by, but more importantly than that, where there's also a lot of flexibility. Um, I only go in now on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays. I go in at about ten o'clock. Um, originally, they told me they wanted me only to go in for a couple hours to avoid rush hour, but I found that that I didn't I didn't get my work done during that time, uh, and also I'm in sales, so I have to be available a little bit later. So I still leave at five thirty. Um, but you know, my, my local, uh, my local, uh, coffee shop is closed down. Um, a lot of the coffee shops and a lot of the shops are closed down around my area. Um, so, you know, I, I really have to bring food into work, uh, begrudgingly because there's really no place to really buy it. Um, the trains are very, very, uh, desolate. Um, so the train rides are probably a little bit easier to take rather than a full subway. Uh, and then when we go in, it's just, you know, normally we have a paralegal team of about 12 people. And then we have me and uh, two other salespeople. Right now it's just me and two other salespeople. So when they leave, a lot of times they leave me early, you know, I'm sitting there by myself and because of the motion lights, I'm in the dark unless I move every 15 minutes kind of speaking to people. So it definitely is a, a huge difference, yeah. Okay, that's understandable. So how do you see like these new safety measurements that are being taken affecting your connections with your current clients and potential clients? 
So, I mean, just how we're doing this on Zoom, uh, I, I think that, I think actually my industry is gonna change dramatically. Um, and I think a lot of sales uh, industries are gonna change dramatically where Zoom will be incorporated a lot more. Um, people, people feel a little bit more comfortable on a Zoom call, uh, knowing they can have the camera off or the camera on, um, rather than being in a, in a meeting, speaking to them, and they're, they're looking at you face to face. So it brings down their guard a little bit when it comes to sales. And also it makes you accept, uh, you know, accessible uh, to a lot bigger, you know, area knowing that you could just schedule a Zoom time. Um, so I really do believe, especially in the sales world, that the coronavirus and what happened is going to really change how people connect and, uh, and how deals are made, you know, instead of it being just face-to-face. -face. I'm sure that each person knows or knows of another individual that has seen unfortunate loss to this pandemic. It's really sad to see the way our world has changed, but it's important to take the circumstance we have been dealt and try to make the most of it. It's really not easy to live life comfortably when one's job and livelihood are being tampered with. During this time, like the school environment, the workforce is a weary place, but these times are bound to get better and improve at some point. Hope is truly a beautiful thing, and as long as we hold on to that, better days are ahead. I'm Ayanna Hankinson, and we will be back with some more stories on keeping up with coronavirus. We It's finally time. The cord has been shined, the shoes are laced, the jerseys have been cleaned, and the scoreboard is set to 0-0. Zero, zero. Basketball is back in Bridgeport, and there is an exhilarating air amidst the Pioneers locker room. I had spoken to student manager Brian Rice just a few weeks ago, where there was a lot of uncertainty about this year's season. But now, speaking with him just the day before their first game, the confidence in having a full season has increased greatly. Since speaking with the team back in September, there have been a couple minor hiccups in the road to their season opener. The pause was, it, it, it was tough. Uh, it, was, it was more like a university decision, um, just because the cases around the university were going up like crazy. All athletics at the university, including basketball, were put on a two-week pause due to a spike in COVID-19 cases post-Halloween. The men's basketball team was unable to practice or work out together from November 6th to November 17th. I mean, it, it was like a, it was just like an athletic department wide shutdown. It was tough. Uh, it, it's really tough because it came at a bad time. It came right after Halloween, which was the beginning of November. We basically had like a week to prepare to play a top 25 team. The other obstacle that the Pioneers face since I last spoke with them has to do with junior Zach Pfaffenberger. Hopefully we start the 25th. I'd love to play the 25th. I want to, you know, I want to play. Just a month after talking with Zach about the season, the veteran forward tore his Achilles in a practice which effectively ended his season. We lost Zach Pfaffenberger right before the pause. So, you know, just say the pause happens a day or two earlier, you know, we may have our, our starting power forward uh, for the whole season. So it, it came at a bad time. With the continuous grit and the obstacles that the Pioneers have faced this season, Brian does not want the role of a Division One athlete in this pandemic to be underappreciated. I give these guys a lot of credit um, because really, really tough thing to deal with. Um, you know, you're practicing a lot of the times wearing masks uh, and then taking them off, uh, not knowing if, you know, the next day somebody in your program is going to test positive and put you guys on another shutdown or a pause, not knowing if yourself you're going to test positive, um, you know, depending on, on your lifestyle and things like that. But uh, I would give – I give all these guys a lot of credit. It's really hard to come into a college program 
lift two hours, lift an hour before every practice, go to two and a half hours of practice, go to class before or after, um, and then learn a whole college playbook. I think, I think these guys are doing a really good job for what they've been dealt. Um, and, and we'll see how it turns out with the games this season. Um, but I think growing wise, the growth that they've all made in the first two months, even with all these crazy restrictions is it's something that should definitely be, you know, rewarded, uh, and give him praise for. The Pioneers' first matchup of the season brought them down to Piscataway, New Jersey, where they took on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Coming into this game, Rutgers was ranked 23rd in the nation, according to the Associated Press's Top 25 preseason poll. The game started out slow, as both teams were getting used to the flow of a real game. But once the pace picked up, Rutgers controlled the tempo and dominated inside the paint in the first half. On beautiful pass, and it's champed through by Montez Mathis. Up ahead to Young, he lays it up and in. Scarlet Knights on the run, up ahead, jam through. Ron Harper, alley-oop again to Harper, who jams it through. Great pass, and nice shot there by Quest Harris. And the first half comes to an end. At the half, Rutgers led the Pioneers by a decent margin, 40-25. to 25. The second half was similarly dominated by the Scarlet Knights, but not without a fight from Sacred Heart. Aaron Clark, the guy who the Pioneers are going to rely on heavily for their scoring this year, matched his career high in points with 17, 12 of those points coming in the second half. Jump shot for three, long three by Aaron Clark, and he buries it. Here's Clark, brings it across to the Pioneers. Dribbles in, splits the defense, and puts it high off the glass and in. Nice move. Clark for three. Aaron Clark drills the three from the corner. Ultimately, Rutgers would go on to win 86-63 in an effort led by Ron Hopper Jr. and Montez Mathis. Despite a tough loss, Aaron Clark believes in the ability of his young teammates. I think they did well. I mean, it's their first game. It's against a top 25 team, a good team. And I think that they did a very good job of adjusting to the uh, game as it went on. As one of the main leaders of the team this year, Aaron believes he himself has to do a better job of giving his teammates opportunities on the court. Uh, we've had a uh, limited time this offseason to get uh, accustomed to each other, especially like as we have new people in. But I feel like I personally have to do a better job of getting my teammates involved and getting my teammates open shots and better shots for them. So I take the responsibility for that. Head coach Anthony Latina likes to think that the positives outweigh the negatives in Wednesday's loss. He knows that his team is going to need a couple games to truly find their identity. I was very encouraged. You know, we had we played 10 guys, seven of the 10 were freshmen. So when you have seven guys whose first college game is against the 24th ranked team in the country, you know, I was pleased that we competed and I was pleased uh, that no one, no one backed down. Coach Latina also realizes that it is difficult to have an outlook for the season and have concrete end goals for the team. So the game plan is to take everything day by day. The only thing that we can do because of the uncertainty is let's just try to get better. All right, let's, let's try to get better in the game today in practice, which we just got done with a short while ago. Both Aaron and Coach Clark understand the reality of competing in these unprecedented times, but it is best to be grateful and excited for every moment they have on the court. Oh, it was extremely exciting. I mean, you have the nerves, of course, going in, but as soon as you hit the court, I mean, I couldn't be happier. And let's be thankful that we had practice and thankful we had a game because we might not have practice tomorrow. There's a very, you know, we're going to get our tests back shortly and they may say, hey, 
guys, I have to shut it down for 14 days. And then, which is terrible, but it, it's, it's, re, it's a reality that we, uh, that we are dealing with. Ironically, just two hours after I spoke with Coach Latina and Aaron Clark, two positive tests within the Sacred Heart locker room put the Pioneers on a two-week shutdown. The November 29th matchup against Fairfield University was canceled, and all other games planned for the next two weeks were postponed until further notice. Another chapter in what has been the craziest year in Sacred Heart Athletics. I'm Robbie Finizio reporting from Sacred Heart University in Fairfield, Connecticut. Have a good night. Hi, I'm Teresa Holtz from Sacred Heart University, and we are here to make you laugh. Olivia and Randy are both going to be trying to figure out what these everyday objects are from just a vague description. Today is going to be a challenge for both me and them. They have 30 seconds to ask as many questions as they want, but only two guesses after that time is up. If they do not guess correctly, I get a point. If they guess correctly, they get a point. First to four wins. They're going to get harder and harder as we go. Brace for impact as we dive deep into the rabbit hole of guess what it is. So let's get started. This one is a topping you can put on a sandwich. Does, does it come out of a bottle? No. Does it come from an animal? No. Can you grow it? Good question. Technically yes, but also no. Can it, can it, did it come out of a jar? Yes. Do, do you put it in a bottle of vinegar, uh, in a jar of vinegar? No. No? What question is that? I was asking if it was pickled or not. Oh, I, I, I okay, you your 30 seconds are up. Oh no, I don't know what it is. Alright, Liv, do you have a guess? Is it jam? No. Jam? Randy, what's your guess? A pickle. <laughs> no. Liv, what's your second guess? Um, horseradish? No. Is it peanut butter? Yes. This is something that is used by Twitch streamers. Can you put it on a wall? Yes. Does it does it have fluorescent colors? Yes. Is it shaped like a triangle? No. Can it hang from the ceiling if you want it to? Yes. Okay, well that's your only question. Guesses, you wanna start, Randy? Um, LED lights? No. Is is it like a standing light? Ring light? There you go. Liv got it. You need this if you have clothes. Can it be worn around the waist? No. Do you use it to hang stuff up? No. Is it made out of plastic? No. Is it made out of cloth? No. Is it made out of metal? No. Does it use steam? No. What's your guess, Liv? First guess. A human body? No. Randy? Hands. No. Shoes? No. Randy? Okay, this is very... last guess. Okay, clothes hanger. Nope. It is Is laundry detergent. Oh my god. Without this, cleaning up after baking would be very difficult. Is it a powder? No. Can you drink it straight out? No. Is it poison? No. Does it come from a vegetable? No. Is it a handheld tool? No. Dude, I have no idea. Cleaning after baking, um, I have no clue. Um, um, uh, is it made out of metal? Alright, any guesses? A bowl? No. Liv? Is it, uh, is it bleach? Nope. 
Maybe. Oh, I said it, I said it was poisonous. She said no. Is it water? No. Live? I don't even. Is it? I don't know. Is it a scraper? I don't. Nope. It is Pam spray. Like the spray that you put on Pam's. Okay, I know. I need you to understand Dude, I something. Really I was I was gonna say Pam's. At this point, it was two to two. We're tied, toe to toe, neck to neck. I didn't know what was gonna happen next. Stay tuned to find out. This sometimes makes square imprints in the morning. Can you cut cookies with it? No. To use it every day. Some people do. Hmm. Is it edible? No. Is it poisonous? No. Do you find it in your uh, bathroom? No. Find it in your bedroom? No. Your kitchen? Yes. Okay, that's it. Uh, Liv, what's your guess? I don't know. Is it microwave? Nope. Randy? Is it a bottle? Nope. Liv? Is it a knife? Nope. Randy? Cookie cutter? Nope. Alright, are you ready? Yeah. The waffle iron. Oh my god, your brain Are is you huge. That's me? actually such a good that's actually such a good one. Right? This can be found on trees. Is it alive? No. Is it a fruit? Yes. Huh. Okay. Mm. It's a fruit. They grow in orchid. Or- orchids. Orchids. Or- orchids. Yes. Orchards. Does it have several variations? Yes. Is it the color orange? No. That's it. Okay. Well, my guess What's... is going to be apple. Okay, yeah, you got it. <laughs> okay, nice. This is a device that can control another device. Can it be stored on a computer? No. Is it a handheld tool? Yes. Oh, okay. Would you find it in the average household? Yes. Is it small? It can be. Is it made out of plastic or metal? Plastic. I have no idea. Does it have bristles? No. That's it. What's your guess? Made out of plastic. It can be found in most homes. Is that a hard drive? No. Is it a vacuum? Nope. Remember the topic was a device that controls another device. Is it a charger? Nope. No. Alright, live last guess. Oh no. Is it a remote? Yup. Oh I my god. Know. Let's go, dude. Proud of myself for that one. Alright guys, there you have it. They came from behind and stole the game. It was three to four in the end. Uh, live with the clutch answer of remote at the end of the game. But before we go, I do have some extra bloopers from the show to give you guys a highlight of what it was actually like to record this. Um, thank you again for listening, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Alright, so let's start it again. Let's get this bread. Can you use the flambe stuff? Is it made out of... That's it. Flesh? You're done. <laughs> You're done. 
apple, but I was gonna think like old pear. This can be found. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Hold up, let me text my mom. <laughs>